Morning, church. We'll see in just a few minutes that anywhere with Jesus you can safely go, even in the midst of some difficulties. But how many of y'all just wake up on time no matter what? You didn't have to set your alarms. You're just an early person. You're weird. That's crazy. On time change, uh, Sundays like this, I'm awake at 2 and 3 and four, just want to make sure, and then when six o'clock comes, I don't even want to get up. So, and it's darker in the morning. It just makes you want to sleep in, and rainy, and cool temperatures, and have I put you out already? We live in a world of identity theft. People constantly wanting to steal your identity, constantly wanting to take your identity. What do they do with that information? Well, they take your social security number, they take your account numbers, they take your financial information, they take your personal information, they take your identity. I read on one website this week that every two seconds, another American becomes a victim of identity fraud. Their purpose is to take your identity. What if I told you today that you could be on the receiving end of taking someone's identity. Would that be appealing to you at all? Because in Jesus, Jesus says, I want you to take my identity. We're going to study the book of Acts, and we're learning two things from the book of Acts. One, how to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Number two, how to be empowered witnesses. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. If you're not familiar, the Bible's divided into the Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the four Gospels. They tell us about Jesus. And then we have the book of Acts. And so we're learning how to receive power, and we're learning about the Holy Spirit. And and God says He's going to explode on the scene. And He did in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost, and He does today as He explodes in our lives. And so we're learning about the Holy Spirit and what that means. What does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit give us boldness? How does the Holy Spirit give us courage? That power helps us live each day, no matter what comes our way. No matter where we go, anywhere we go with Jesus, we've got His Spirit. And so today, we've been noticing that anywhere Paul goes, there's usually a riot. There's an uproar. His preaching stirs people up. His preaching causes trouble. Especially when he started preaching that God had opened the door to the Gentiles because there's a lot of Jewish folks that just wanted to close that door. They didn't want the Gentiles in the picture. They didn't want the Gentiles in their temple. They didn't want the Gentiles anywhere around. And so when Paul's preaching about the Gentiles, it stirs people up. Let's see what's going on today in Acts 21. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. There were people that received Paul warmly. There were people who were receptive. So the next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry And when they heard this, they praised God. So these folks are very receptive. And then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law? They've been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. Now, we've been saying Paul's been trying to get to Jerusalem. 
Okay, he's in Jerusalem along with thousands and thousands and thousands of other Jews who come for the Feast of Pentecost. And as you know, there's people following Paul around, bad-mouthing Paul, hecklers, just stirring people up. You ever had somebody badmouth you and just follow you around and no matter where you go, they just say bad things? Paul's had that his entire life, since he became a Christian anyway. And so they're following him around and they said, Hey, listen, this is what Paul's doing. Now, this is the leaders in Jerusalem saying, Paul, thousands of people are here and they know you're here. And this is what they're saying. They're saying that you don't have an allegiance to Moses, that you don't have allegiance to our ancestral faith, and you're telling them not to circumcise their children according to the customs. So they're saying, you know, these people who are zealous for the law, these people who are zealots, zealots are the people who follow you around, and if you don't follow, follow God's law, they, uh, they kill you. They drag you into the streets, they drag you to prison, they kill you, like Paul used to do. He was zealous for the law. And so you've got some people that are showing up in Jerusalem, and they're this way, and they're saying, Paul, your, your allegiance to our faith isn't what it used to be, so what are we going to do? The leaders say, this is what we're going to do. There are four men with us who have made a vow. You can read about the Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6. You can turn there right now. It won't hurt my feelings. But in Numbers chapter 6, here's these guys taking this Nazarite vow. When you took the Nazarite vow, it was a vow of separation. When you took the Nazarite vow, it was a vow of appreciation. Anybody could take the Nazarite vow, male or female. If you wanted to show appreciation to God, you just said, Hey, I'm going to take the Nazarite vow. When you did that, that meant you didn't drink any wine, you didn't drink any grape juice, you didn't eat any product that came from the grapevine, you didn't touch any dead bodies, and you didn't you, you let your hair grow out, you, you didn't touch your head for a period of time. At the end of that period of time, you offered sacrifices, and you shaved your head in public. So you made a vow of allegiance, you expressed your allegiance publicly to let everybody know that you're thanking God for something that He's done in your life. It's very expensive. And so the leader said, hey, there's these four guys who've made a vow. Paul, you take these men, you join in their purification rites, and you pay their expenses. There's people who don't think that you're, you have any allegiance to the faith. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to publicly show them that you still are allegiant to God. You have an allegiance to God. Not only that, not only do we want you to pay your expense, we want you to pay the expense of all these other guys so that everybody in Jerusalem will know, hey, listen, these things about Paul, they're not true. So the next day, Paul took the men and he purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for them. So everything's cool. We're showing all the Jews in Jerusalem, hey, listen, Paul's okay. Paul's okay. His allegiance is to the Jewish people. Here's what happened. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and they seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. Not true. What was true is that Paul was preaching to the Gentiles that they didn't have to follow the law. And we looked at Acts chapter 15 and the Jerusalem conference and what was expected of the Gentiles... Paul never told the Jewish people not to follow their Jewish customs. He told the Gentiles 
But these people were saying that he's telling the, the Jewish people that. And besides, he's brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They thought they saw Paul bring a Gentile into the temple courts. You didn't bring Gentiles into the temple courts. There was a place where the Gentiles could go. They accused Paul of taking a Gentile past that. There were inscriptions in the temple that no one of an alien race could pass certain points. If you pass certain points and you are of an alien race, you will die. Why would Paul do that? He didn't. These are just the bad-mouthing hecklers following him around. So when they found Paul, all this Nazarite vow was for naught. Didn't mean a thing to them. So they seized him, and they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut, and while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. You can keep reading. We're covering a lot of text today. The Roman commander came down and saved Paul's life. Because when they saw the Romans come, they quit beating Paul. I mean, they drag him outside the temple. They shut the temple gates. It's probably the last time Paul's ever going to see the inside of the temple. As you keep reading through Acts, and you know, and you know about his story. So they, they take him out, and they're beating him to death. The Romans show up, and they said, whoa, 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 what's going on here? They ask the people in the crowd, the rioters, they ask the people, what's going on here? The people who've been bad-mouthing, evidently, they blew out of there. Because they knew when you start a riot, the Romans will kill you. You didn't mess with the Romans. So they blew out of there. Can't get anything out of the people, so we're going to take Paul away. So they cuff him. They're going to take him to the barracks. They're going to scourge him. They're going to flog him. They're going to take a whip made out of metal and bones, just like they did with Jesus, and they're going to flog him to rip the flesh off of him. It was their way of interrogation. Hey, we'll get this guy to talk. And so as you keep reading, Paul tells the Roman commander some things, and he speaks to him in Greek, which gets the guy's attention. How does this guy know Greek? And Paul says, hey, can I talk to the crowd? Can I talk to the crowd that just beat me? Can I talk to the rioters? Can I talk to the mob? Can I talk to the people that want me dead? He says, all right. And so Paul turns and he motions to the people. Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned the crowd. When they were all silent, he spoke to them in Aramaic. He spoke to the Hebrew people in Aramaic. So they were listening. So Paul motions to the crowd almost miraculously. The crowd that wants him dead, he holds up and just motions to the crowd. And he says, hey, listen, can I give you my defense? I mean, you're fixing to kill me. Can I give you my defense? And so you can keep reading in Acts 22. He tells them, listen, you want to talk about allegiance, I'm going to tell you about allegiance. I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus of Cilicia. I'm a Roman citizen. I study and trained under the respect. You mentioned Gamaliel. You got people's attention. I studied under Gamaliel. I was just as zealous as any of you. You want to talk zeal? I was as zealous as many of you. I persecuted followers of the way. We've talked about that. I dragged them off. I dragged them in the streets. I dragged them to... To prison, I put them to death. And then he says, I encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus said, listen, you need to go find Ananias. And most folks knew who Ananias was. He was a devout observer of the law. And God restored his sight. And God called him to be a witness for Jesus. And he tells about that conversion. And he talks about his allegiance. And then he stresses his identity. And it's almost like the crowd's, the crowd's listening. It's almost like they're believing, Paul, that... He is showing his allegiance to them, and 
And then he says this. The Lord said to me, go, I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. So there he mentions the Gentiles again. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. They raised their voices and shouted, just like they did to Stephen, just like they did to Jesus, this guy needs to die. If you keep reading, they take Paul away and they're about to... They're about to do some harm to Paul. And he said, listen, I'm a Roman citizen. And when they figured out he was a Roman citizen, and he played that Roman citizenship card, they decided, whoa, because we've said before, you didn't jack with the Romans. And Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen, which means I have a right to a trial. I have the right to be treated like a human being. If you weren't a Roman citizen, they could just beat you to death. They could flog you to death. They could treat you like an animal. And so Paul says... During this passage here, look, I'm going to show you my allegiance to the Jews. And then he says, but God called me, I'm going to show you my allegiance to the Gentiles. And then he's hauled away by the Romans, I'm going to show you my allegiance to the Romans. And the problem Paul was having is, people were saying, where's his allegiance? I mean, when he's with the Jew, he does what the Jews. And when he's with the Gentiles... You know, Paul says, I've become all things to all men. To the Jew, I became a Jew. And to the Gentile, I became a Gentile. To the Roman, I became like Roman. That wasn't because he was wishy-washy. It's because he was doing all things to save people. He wasn't doing anything sinful, but he was becoming like them and relating to them. And yet people confused that and said, listen, we don't even know who he's, where his allegiance is. Is his allegiance with the Jewish people? Is it with the Gentiles? Is it with the Romans? And Paul says this in Acts 22, which is where I want to camp a little bit. You want to know where my allegiance is? So he goes back to the conversion and he says, you know, Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry, Ananias said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. You'll be his witness to all men of what you've seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away. So Paul's going to make it very clear. Listen, if you want to know where my allegiance is. Wow, I just went through all of that. If you want to know where my allegiance is, my allegiance is not to Rome. It's not to the Jews. It's not to the Gentiles. It's to Jesus. And because of my allegiance to Jesus, I'll go to the Jews. I'll go to the Gentiles. I'll go to the Romans. I'll go to the males, I'll go to the females, I'll go anywhere. My allegiance first and foremost is to Jesus Christ. And Paul says, listen, Jesus told me, Ananias told me, you need to get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. So let me me tell you some things about baptism today, all right? Baptism shows your allegiance to Jesus. Baptism shows your identity in Jesus So you're thinking, all right, so why are we spending a little bit of time to a a crowd predominantly baptized believers talking about baptism? Because I think we sometimes cheapen baptism. I think we sometimes lessen the importance of baptism. Paul makes it very clear that baptism is more than just washing away of sins. Baptism is more than just getting your ticket punched for heaven. Baptism declares our allegiance and our identity to Jesus Christ. Now, again, 
the Jews didn't want the Gentiles in the picture. They didn't want to share God with anybody. Their allegiance was to God and nobody else could have that allegiance. They didn't want to share any of their privileges. And so when God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, they didn't want to have anything to do with that. And Paul said, listen, listen, my allegiance is to God who opened the door. I didn't open the door, God opened the door. And my allegiance is to Him. And anywhere I go, I'm going to trust in Him and be empowered by Him. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. The Jewish people didn't want the Gentiles in the picture. The temple-going people didn't want the Gentiles in the picture. The church-going people didn't want the Gentiles in the picture. Some things haven't changed, which we talked about in Acts 15. We don't want to make it difficult for those who are entering the faith. Paul says, I'm not going to make it difficult because my allegiance is to Jesus. And sometimes showing your allegiance to Jesus stretches your comfort zone a little bit. Stretches you out of your comfort zone a little bit. The Jews said, no, no, no. Here's our comfort zone right here. We're not including the Gentiles. And Paul said, you know what? Here's my comfort zone because my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. They didn't want the door open. They were questioning his allegiance to the ancestral faith. He proved that. He took the ancestor, he took the Nazarite vow. He said, I publicly showed you where my allegiance was. But if that wasn't enough, when I was baptized, I publicly showed you my allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. It's showing your public allegiance to Jesus Christ. His allegiance was so strong, he said, look, I'm going to let everybody know in public. In the same way I shaved my head to show the Nazarite vow, in the same way I will confess Jesus Christ and I will publicly show you that my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, baptism publicly shows that you've accepted Jesus. Baptism publicly shows that you're no longer in charge. Baptism shows that when you wake up every day, you're under new management. Baptism shows that your citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. Baptism shows that our allegiance is somewhere else. It's not to me. It's not to you. It's not to the church. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And so Paul was showing his allegiance, but more than that, he was showing his identity. Because he was going to arise and be baptized calling on the name of Jesus. Don't you find it interesting that when we become followers of Christ, we take on his name? We're given his identity? We're called Christians? Because we have a new identity. No longer was he just Paul. In fact, if you just flip through and read the letters that he wrote, from Romans and First and Second Corinthians, and you go through eight times, he refers to himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Three times he says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. One time he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Hey, Paul, who do you belong to? My identity is in Jesus Christ. So not only did he have an allegiance to Jesus, but his identity was always linked to Jesus Christ. In fact, if you read Philippians chapter 3 when he lists all the things that he had done and accomplished on this earth, he said, I count them as rubbish, as cow dung, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His rising. Why? Because that's where his identity was. So in baptism, you have union with Christ. In baptism, you're one with Christ. In baptism, you're now playing on His team. In baptism, you're added to His church. In baptism, you take on His name. 
Let me illustrate this way. <clears throat> I love the scene in the 2000 mo- 2004 movie Miracle about the 1980 U.S. hockey team. It's a fantastic movie. The Americans were considered overwhelming underdogs to the Soviets. Not only did they unset, upset the Soviets, they went on two days later to beat Finland, and they won the gold medal. Miracle. Miracle on ice. Throughout the film, Coach Brooks would ask them periodically in practice, who do you play for? And they would always answer, you know, I play for Michigan State. I play for, and they would list the college that they played for. After a 3-3 tie against a weak team from Norway, before they even left the ice, he says, where are you going? Line up. And he has them for an hour go through this exhausting training. After an hour, and they're throwing up, and they're sick, and they're down on the ice. After an hour trying to get their attention, after an hour of trying to motivate them, one of the players finally responds and says, I play for the United States of America. Conditioning was over. He walked off the ice. He wanted them to know that they had a new identity. He wanted them to know that they didn't play for their individual schools. In fact, he said, the name on the front of the jersey, USA, is way more important than the individual name on the back of the jersey. Listen, folks, when we become Christians, the name we wear, Christian, is way more important than our individual names. We take on a new identity when we are baptized. So our allegiance is to Jesus, and our identity is in Jesus. And in a world full of identity theft, Jesus says, Hey, you can take my identity all day long. You can call yourself by my name all day long. You can let people know all day long that you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower. And that's what we do as Christians. Again, why am I telling a group of predominantly baptized believers this? Because... Because I think sometimes we just use baptism as our punch ticket to get to heaven and then we go live like hell. No, 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 no. We're now in a covenant relationship with God. We don't get to make the rules anymore. Our allegiance is to God. Every day that we wake up, we crawl up on the altar and say, God, here is my life. And it takes us that every day and sometimes several times a day because our allegiance is to God. Listen, folks, taking baptism seriously means that it may stretch my comfort zone to do what God wants me to do. It will stretch my comfort zone to do what God wants me to. Taking baptism seriously means we no longer go through the motions of worship. We no longer show up just when we feel like it, when we don't have anything else to do. Our allegiance and our identity is in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus calls, we respond. Baptism is the... Christian Pledge of Allegiance. When you are baptized, your allegiance is now to God. I understand and appreciate and respect the Pledge of Allegiance, but when you're baptized, it means that first and foremost, your allegiance is not to a flag, it's to a God. And it's not to the nation under God, it's to the God who's over the nation. Our allegiance is to God. Understanding baptism means that I understand that the gospel's for everybody, even if it means preaching to the Gentiles, even if it means that I'm going to be persecuted, even if it means I'm thrown in jail, even if it means that anywhere with Jesus I go, God's going to empower me for His purpose. I think baptism means so much more than we sometimes cheapen it to mean.
And Paul caused an uproar because of his allegiance to Jesus. Listen, folks. If Jesus was willing to stretch out his arms and die, don't you think that we ought to be willing to stretch out of our comfort zones a little bit? I mean, if he's willing to die, shouldn't we be willing to stretch a little bit for what God wants and for his purpose? Paul lived like he didn't belong here because his allegiance was to God. Paul lived like a citizen in heaven because his allegiance was to God in heaven. Baptism is expressing your allegiance to Jesus Christ, and baptism shows your identity in Christ. It's a public way of letting everybody know, hey, I belong to Jesus. If you've never been baptized, can I encourage you to do that today? Can I beg you to do that today? Can I tell you that that's what God wants you to do today? Because one day you're going to stand before God, and if God sees the blood of Jesus on you, He doesn't see you. He sees His Son who's washed your sins away. Because you said on this earth, you know what, I want to belong to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be on His team. I want to identify with Him. So will you publicly let people know today that you want to identify with Jesus? If you're a baptized believer... And yet you haven't lived like one. You haven't shown your allegiance. You've just kind of been going through the motions. If you need the prayers of this church, if you need the prayers of our shepherds, they'll meet you in the back. If you've just been going through the motions and you haven't realized, wow, baptism, I guess it, it means a little more than just getting wet, just punching my ticket. If you need the prayers of this church, we want to encourage you to respond, if you will. If you need to respond in any way, please do so as we stand and sing. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus.